Uh, and today we're going to be touching on something, uh, a topic which is it's got actually a two-part lesson. And today we're going to be starting with the first lesson. And the title of today's message is First Things First. You know, every Sunday when we come here, you know, and the MC prays for the offering, you know, sometimes we are so accustomed to the routine of it. Oh, okay, you got to pray for offering. Okay, it's time to give again. But when we actually kind of slow down for a moment, like when Brother Bong was just sharing with us about, you know, what's happening around the world and giving to this relief fund and giving the tithes and the bringing our tithes to the house of God. And for a moment as I was standing there, I was reminded, hey, actually this is such a, a very powerful thing that we do every Sunday. That when we bring our tithes to the house of God, when we give unto the Lord, it's more than just saying, ah, I got spare change, and come, I give God. But it's more than just the dollars and cents. But it is the act of giving, that discipline sometimes that we choose to give. It's us leading our hearts. You see, the scripture says that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. See, pastor many times say, oh, your heart is a follower, your heart is a follower. So what does it mean that our heart is a follower? is that we have to lead our hearts. Because if we don't lead our hearts, our hearts will naturally follow the world. It will naturally follow our flesh. It will naturally follow our sinful instincts. And so today we're going to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33, if we can all stand for the reading of God's Word. I think this scripture, many of us here can memorize, you can you know, close your eyes and write it out and write it backwards. Because this is your, for some of you, is your mantra in life. It's your mantra to success sometimes. Oh, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So let's read together in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. I think many of us here love the second part of it which is the, all these things shall be added unto you. How many of you would like that? Only a few of you, uh, the rest of you don't like that. Uh. <laughs> Amen. And today we're going to see that before God can add these things to you, there's still the first part has to come, which is to seek first the kingdom of God. And so we're going to pray and ask God to help us today and remind us, I think this is not something that is a brand new thing that you have never heard before. But I think God is wanting to remind us to put first things first. Amen. Why don't we pray? In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you, God, for your word today, God. Father, I thank you for your presence that is here in this place, God. Lord, we thank you for the liberty that we experience, oh God, to be able to worship so freely. Father, we even thank you, God, that things are opening up, that we are able to gather in, in, in bigger groups, that we are able to come together on the 17, oh God, to worship together as a body, God. But all these things that we do, God, Lord, it's not just so that we are here for a good time, but Lord, we are here because we are here to seek first things first. We are here, God, to seek first, Lord, the kingdom of God. We are here to put you first. And so, Father, today as we open up our hearts and our 
ears, God, to hear what thus says the word of God. I pray, Father, that you would anoint our ears to hear, God, to receive your word, God. But more than just receiving and knowing the word, I pray that let it begin, O God, to translate, O God, into my life, O God. That, Lord, I will not just know first things first, but I will be able to live it out, God. I will be able to seek you first, God. So I pray, Lord, touch our hearts today, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this place. And all God's people say, Amen. You may be seated. See, when we read Matthew 6.33, we know that whole chunk of scripture is about, you know, God telling us, Jesus teaching us that, oh, do not worry, you know. Um, even the birds of the air, they have food. Even the lilies of the valley, they are clothed. And they look are clothed even better than how King Solomon was clothed. And he's telling us to not worry. But when we were to, if we were to take a step back and take a larger look at the overall context of this scripture, it wasn't just you know, one Sunday morning that Jesus went up the pulpit and said, hey, I'm going to teach you about seeking first the kingdom of God. It was actually a very, very long message that he started in Matthew chapter 5. It was actually his, one of his most famous sermons called the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Sermon on Mount, you all know, it starts with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So, right smack in the middle, from Matthew chapter 5 all the way to Matthew chapter 7, is Matthew chapter 6, which is where we find our scripture text today. And so this whole, script, this whole Sermon of the Mount, I think if we were to sum it up, what Jesus was trying to teach the people then was this, that he was trying to come, that the reason why he was on earth was to establish the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And so what does it mean when we say, oh, to seek ye first the kingdom of God? Is it there's a castle, you know, we watch like all those shows, got a castle, then we go into the kingdom of God, we go inside his castle, wow, the, the things are very nice. No, when the scripture talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven coming on earth, we even pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And the purpose of that is that God is wanting to establish His kingdom in our hearts. Jesus didn't come to set up a physical kingdom. He came to set up the kingdom in our hearts. And in order for the kingdom of God to be set up means what? Someone got to be king. And on the throne, how many people can sit? Only one person can sit on the throne. And the question is, who is sitting on the throne of our hearts today? Who is our king today? And therefore, we have to look at first things first. So the meaning of first is simply exceeding all others. The meaning of first is basically before anything else. I think as someone who loves the Lord, all of us here, the reason why we show up on a Sunday is because we love Him, because we seek Him first. We are here on Sunday in the morning. Why? Because Sunday is the first uh, day of the week and we want to start off the week giving it and you know, setting it apart for the Lord. And so for us who love God, we often may ask ourselves the question, what does God want? For those who are in love, you always wonder, what does my wife want? What, are, what will make her happy? And we can answer that in many ways when we ask about what God wants. We can say that God wants our souls, God wants our service. And many of us here, 
We are here serving God. Thank you for that. We can say God wants our body and our mind. He wants to be in our thoughts. But if we were to study from Genesis all the way to Revelation, what does God really want? The answer is God wants us to put Him first in all that we do. So we're going to take a look at a few scriptures in in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament about God expressing His desire to be first. In Exodus chapter 13, 1 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both men and beasts, it is mine. So for the children of Israel, God instructed them your firstborn that come out from whether it's the womb of your wife or the womb of your uh, mothership belongs to me. In fact, even the first fruit that come out from your tomato plant, that is mine. In Exodus 22 verse 29, it says, You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices, the firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. We go down in, further down in 2 Chronicles chapter 31 verse 5. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance what? The first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey. And of all the produce of the field, they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, here is King Solomon writing to his son, Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. You see, throughout the whole Old Testament, God was instilling in the children of Israel one thing, put me first. And sometimes you may think, wow, God, why you always, everything you also want to take first, everything you also want a cut of it. Wow, you asked me to pay my tithes. But sometimes we, we look at it like how Eve will look at the fruit of the knowledge of tree of good and evil. We say, wow, God, you're trying to deprive me. Ah. I got so little already. You still want me to give you this tithe. But let's not forget, you know, when Scripture talks about the tithe, He never wants it to give of your tithes. He always says to bring your tithe because it doesn't belong to us in the first place. We're just giving God back what is His. And here's a different perspective for you. Sometimes you think, wow, 10% a lot. But why don't we switch our perspective and think about the other 90% that God let us keep? A good deal, right? We got the 90% that God lets us keep. And so why does God constantly want us to give Him first? Is it because He wants our money? Is it because God is bankrupt? No. God doesn't need your money. But He's wanting to find out where is your heart. And that's what God wants. He wants our hearts. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, here God is speaking to the churches in the end times. Okay? Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. See, all these scriptures present to us a timeless underlying principle that God is wanting to teach us, that God is wanting 
from all of us even today in 2022 and that He has to be number one priority in our lives. He doesn't like to be number two. It's either first place or nothing. We read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. See, when we take a look at this scripture, we see it begin with a command to seek. What do we seek? It goes on to show us the object that we are to seek, His kingdom and His righteousness. And then He gives us the priority. He gives us the sequence in which things should be first. And the beautiful part is there is a promise, a conditional promise that comes after that. Is that if we were to seek His kingdom first, then all these things will be given to us as well. To sum it up, Jesus is saying, don't put second things first. First things second. Put first things first and second things second and everything will fall in its right order. See, the placement in priority is more important than the things that are being done. Sometimes you say, hey, how, how can you tell me this doesn't, uh, God isn't pleased with this? Look at how much I have done for you. Look at how much I give you, God. You see, I, I give all my time, you know, I go and teach Bible study, you know, I, 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 I serve in the ministry so hard. See, God is not just interested in how much you bring. Okay, we're going to, and there's a story in the scriptures that will help us understand this. How many of you know the story of Cain and Abel? Okay, Cain and Abel, right? And this, this story is very, very powerful because we know in scripture, we're going to turn to, sorry, I'm jumping around my notes, okay? In Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 5, it reads, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. I want you to underline or circle, he brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. You see, Abel brought to God the firstborn of his flock. Abel's offering was of the first fruits. Abel knew how to put first things first. But you may say, hey, but Cain also got bring an offering. Eh. It's not like Cain is like this backslider, you know, he never come church. He's, he gives his offering to God, he serves God, but it wasn't accepted by God. And Cain was so upset. He was so angry to the point he killed his brother. And you see, Cain had probably some good reason why he thinks his offering should have been accepted. God, I bring eh, the, crop, the fruit of the, my produce, I, I give to you. Leh. Could it be when Cain brought his offering, he knew that wah, on the outside, his offering looked better than Abel. We don't know what he bring. Lah. Maybe he bring like, all the one whole basket of Mao Sang Wang to give God. The best of the best. Could it be when he brought his offering and he saw Abel's, huh, that tiny little lamb, and he looked at his, wow, look, 
I put in more effort, I put in more time, I bring a more beautiful offering to you. But God didn't accept his offering. Why? Because Cain didn't bring of his first fruits. But Abel did. Abel lets us know that God is honoured when we put him first. The first land that came out of his flock, he was determined in his heart, I am going to give it to God. And you see, when we put first things first, it does require a lot of faith. Because for Abel, if you think with me, when the mothership give birth of the lamb, he has no guarantee that the mothership is going to give birth to even more lambs. What if that is the only one he has? And he's giving the one and only lamb that he has. It took faith. It took trusting God. See, Abel did not give out of his surplus. He gave what was first. He didn't give out of, wow, I got so much extra cash. Okay, la, God, I give it all to you. Uh, $5,000, my extra cash. God's not interested in how big the offering is. God's not interested in how big the sacrifice is. All He wants to know is, are you putting me first? And so why, why is it so important for us to put first things first? Why do I need to put first things first? Because for the enemy, Satan, all he wants us to do is one thing. As long as we don't put God first, as long as you put God second, he's successful, he's happy with that. Why? Because he understands the reason why it's so important for us to put God first. And number one is because I am limited. You and I are limited in what we can do. In John chapter 15, verse 5, it reads, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, when we try to do things without being first connected to God, without being first putting God in the right place that He needs to be, there is no way we can do things and be successful or what? We may think we are successful, but actually we are not. See, on our own, we, don't have, we will never have enough strength, we will never have enough wisdom, we will never have enough money sometimes to solve our life's greatest problems. See, sometimes when we go through situations in life, I still remember a time when, uh, a few years ago when my mom was diagnosed with cancer. In those kind of situations, and for those who have been in a similar experience, whether yourself personally or in your family, you know that when this kind of crisis hit your home, it makes you helpless and sometimes makes you hopeless. And I still remember in the midst of it, the only thing I could turn to was God. The only thing I could get strength from was Jesus. That there were days when we would take, you know, I still remember the first few days when we found and we had to go to the hospital in and out. Honestly, it's very depressing going to the hospital and seeing the doctor and hearing all the bad news. But I remember in the midst of it, there was this promise that God gave to me from His Word. He says, when I was young and when I'm old now, never have I seen the righteous forsaken. You see, when we cling on to the promises of God, we can gain strength. When we put Him first, we are able to gain the strength that we need. We are able to have the peace that we need. 
See, I could never claim the scripture for myself when I was young and when I was old, God has not forsaken me if I never continue seeking God. If I never stop seeking Him, I won't, that, that scripture wouldn't make sense to me because I was not faithful. And you, so you see, when the scripture says that there is a true vine, it also means that there is a false vine. So what does it mean for us to be connected to the true vine? What does it mean to put Him first in this aspect? You see, the greatest secret to living effectively on earth is understanding the principle and power of priorities. Whether you like it or not, whether how organized or disorganized you are, you all have your priorities. That day I was asking my wife, I said, hey, when you come home, ah, what is the first thing you will do? She said, oh, I'll go and wash my hand and wash my feet. Why? Because she values something. She, she wants to be clean. She wants to make sure that, you know, when she handles the food later on, she doesn't contaminate it. And I said, then after that, what will you do? Oh, then I'll go and unpack everything. Why? She values her house to be in order. For me, it's different. The first thing I come home, what I want to do is I want to go and bathe. Because <laughs> I don't like to feel dirty. Okay? I value my hygiene and cleanliness. And so all of us here, in some form or fashion, you have your priorities in place. Whether you know it consciously or subconsciously. And most of the time, it's subconscious because it becomes a pattern in your life. See, our life is a sum total of all the decisions that we make every day. And those decisions are determined by our priorities. How we use our time every day eventually defines our lives. All of us here have priorities in lives and every single day we live out our priorities by default. When you wake up in the morning, I hope la, for most of us here, nobody needs to remind you to go to brush your teeth. Okay? That becomes a priority in our lives. That becomes a default. When I wake up, I go brush my teeth. Okay, maybe some people, they brush teeth after they eat breakfast. Okay? Uh, nothing wrong with that. But for some of us here, when you wake up, the first thing you do is you go for a run. Because you need that to get you going, get your blood pumping. That's a priority in your life. And so identifying the correct and right priority of life is key to a successful and fulfilled life. You know, I think there are a lot of videos online, you know, uh, people will interview those successful businessmen, you know, whether it's like uh, Bill Gates or Elon Musk, to find out what's the secret to your life. Someone they say, oh, I will wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning and I will do this, 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 this. And we try to emulate that to get success in our lives. And the point of all that is that every one of us has priorities. A priority simply is putting first things first. A priority is when we establish the most important thing in our lives. For me, one of the most important things in my day is to make my coffee. If I don't have a good cup of coffee, the rest of the day is in shambles. I'll be grouchy. I'll be whining to my wife. And so we all have priorities to set ourselves up for success. And on the flip side, the failure to establish correct priorities will cause us something. It will cause us to waste two of the most important commodities in your life, your time and your energy. When your priorities are not correct, 
you will find yourself busy with the wrong things. You will major on the minor. You will do unnecessary things to make yourself more frustrated. You will get more tired. You will get more stressed out. And you will get so preoccupied with what isn't important. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. I still remember one, uh, many times, okay, it's not just one time, when I buy furniture from Ikea. Anyone here got buy furniture from Ikea before? Okay. Some of us like it because we can fix it ourselves. Uh, most of the time, I don't like it. Lah. But the cost to, ask the, to pay them to fix it is, is quite a lot. But I always have a very bad experience with fixing Ikea stuff, not because the thing is bad. Not because they don't give you the manual you know, to teach you what to do. But because every single time without fear, I still remember there was one time I was setting up this small table for my room. Then they asked me to put the, the wooden plug into this hole. Then I basically didn't read the instructions clearly. And when I finally set everything up, I'm like, eh, how come my table looks so weird one? Then there was a second time I was installing my, building my drawer. Then I built everything up, you know, I ready to put in the last thing, my drawers. Then when I finally want to put it in, I was like, xiao liao. The way I built it, the drawer, the only way the drawer can go in is upside down, which it won't work, right? And so I was so frustrated. Every time I, I will build the cabinet or the Ikea stuff, then suddenly my wife will me, ah! Then I was so angry. I will like kick up a, a, a fuss and all that. Why? Because I just wasted two hours trying to build it. And now I have to tear down everything and rebuild it. And the worst part is this. There was one time in the midst of trying to undo what I did, I broke something. And I say, xiao liao, xiao liao, xiao liao. At this rate, I think I don't have a table already. And we laugh at it. I laugh at it now, but at that point, it was very frustrating. Then there was another instance, another situation. It, was, it actually happened this past Wednesday. There was a worship recording that was taking place here. And then I was going for my job. I wasn't on duty. Then suddenly Alex texts us in the group, hey, the soundboard isn't working. It's not connecting to the computer. We're supposed to record the worship. Then I let them try to figure it out. Then a few minutes pass, then I'm like, Alex said, hey bro, no luck. Eh. Then I say, oh Lord. Then I had to detour my run. Thank God I run. I live nearby. I just run to HQ. Then we're trying to figure out why isn't this working? It cannot be. I say, hey, you call Mark. He was the last one that used it on Sunday. See if he got changed any setting or not. So he called Mark and Mark said, hey, no, I never changed anything. So it doesn't make sense. Why isn't it working? And so we were trying to figure it out and I said, okay lah, Sometimes when you don't know what to do, you just restart every single thing. So we reboot the sound system from the bottom up. Every single thing we restarted. And then after we turn on the everything again, we click on the app. Then suddenly I look, hey, Alex, it's working now. Then you look, huh? What do you do? I say, oh, nothing, I just restart. See, in the, in the midst of it, it was very stressful. You can ask the team. Because everyone is trying to get everything in order, you know, with the thing down, you know, it affects the music team up here when they're practicing. They cannot hear themselves. They have a time to, to meet. It's so late at night. And it was so much stress, so much frustration. 
and we concluded what caused the problem. I asked Alex, Alex, when you're turning everything on, what is the first thing you turn on? He said, oh, I turn on the computer. I said, oh, maybe that's why it didn't work. I said, next time you try, you turn on the sound system board first. I said, okay, okay. And we can learn a very important principle from what we just heard from my stories, is that there are many times in life there are certain things that we do that is a proper sequence to it. For those who drive here, when you go in the car, I think one of the things you would want to check is how much fuel you have. Because if you don't, suddenly you drive down the highway, suddenly the car stall or like you just stop moving. Oh no, I didn't check my fuel. Or maybe next time you check, oh no, I didn't charge my car battery. And so when we to, to follow first things first. When we follow the, what we call the SOP, okay? some of us may not like it, we follow the SOP, the standard operating procedure. What is the first thing on top of the list we got to do? Oh, I got to check my fuel tank. Oh, I got to turn on this first. If not, I will not be able to get this working. Oh, I got to put this the right way. If not, I'm going to have to waste time and re- I'm, uh, tear everything down and rebuild it. And I think similarly with not just the natural things in life, but the spiritual things in life, there is a sequence to do it. Okay? And God gives us this order. God gives us the sequence that we read in Matthew chapter 6. That to seek ye first the kingdom of God. See, if we do not follow instructions very carefully, we will end up wasting our time, we will end up wasting our energy, we will end up wasting our emotions. See, if we don't seek God's counsel first, if we don't seek God's opinion about a certain matter first, sometimes the results can be very devastating. Of course, the stories I share is very trivial. Lah. You know, the table spoil, I can buy a new table. But think with me, sometimes when we are wanting to make a career switch, you know, uh, the last two weeks we had a, a very, very great uh, lesson on Friday. You know, there were all these HR experts that had a session with us about brewing our resume, you know. Brabong was there. They were giving us our, their, their expertise about how to make our resumes good. And someone asked the question, how do I know this is the right job to take? And I love uh, what uh, one of the, the instructors said. Oh, one thing I always tell people, and it always works, is to find out whether I have peace in this situation, whether I have peace in this decision. And why, why, why that? It's because at the end of the day, when we make a job switch, a career switch, we want to know, God, is this you that want me to go here or is it just me? I have young people, okay, I'm not, I, I'm not saying this like I'm very old, like, okay, but I have uh, people a bit younger than me, they will ask me, Charles, how do you know? How will I know that God wants me to take this job? How do I know this is the peace of God? And many times we will counsel our members and tell them, see, when you're making decisions about job, don't just the first thing you look is how much money you're getting paid. Because sometimes you can, yes, get a a job that is paying you a lot of money, but you lose so many things in the midst of it. You lose your time from your family. You lose sometimes your your ethics because you don't know what the job may entail you. You go in blind. A lot of times they tell you, oh, I'm hiring you for this. But when you actually go on the job, they say, huh? My job scope changed. Ah. They say, oh, you didn't ask God first, right? So then now you know choice to suck it up, right? You know? 
See, we are limited. There are things we will never know in advance and that's why we need God. For example, you want to buy a house. Also not a small purchase. Then you ask yourself, does God want me to stay here or not? Or does God want me to stay there? And even more important question, you know, uh, Sister Oye always say, the second thing that, second most important thing that comes after salvation is who you're going to marry. And sometimes we ask, when we get into a relationship, when we want to find our partner, we, we sometimes don't want to go to God. We just say, I just want to get into a relationship. And then when time comes and time unfolds, we get hurt because we, don't, we didn't ask God for His opinion first. See, we all are limited in what we have or what we know. But when we put first things first, God will give us the direction. God will give us the wisdom that we need. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, when Solomon was saying that, he was trying to tell us, put God first. Trust Him first. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't think you are very zai. Don't think you are so smart. Don't think you are so successful that you can figure it out on your own. But when you acknowledge Him, when you submit all your plans to Him, He will direct. He will make the path you are supposed to take clear. Suddenly you see, wow, I never saw it so clear. This is the step I need to take. See, I still remember in the midst of choosing my career. You know, some of you say, ah, Charles, you work for church. It's very easy. Don't need to think one. What? It's served the Lord, right? Seek ye first. So confirm it's correct one. But no, do you know that my decision to come on board the church staff was not a decision I just make overnight. I say, oh, of course, it's good, what? Church, right? But I had to seek God's counsel. I mean, you may laugh at it like, huh? Doesn't make sense, right? You work for God. Why you must ask God about it? I remember seeking counsel from him. I told God, God, if this door is not for me to enter, you shut it. And then I had uh, elders in my life that will come and ask me, hey, so what are you going to do? I still remember Bishop coming. So I was driving him that time. That time I still got the car and I was on holiday, right? He said, so Charles, tell me about your life. What are your plans? I said, oh my word, why is he asking me this? I'm actually thinking about my, my next step in life. And so as I submitted my plans to God, as I yield, even sometimes saying I want to work for the church, I even gave that to God. And when I trusted Him in it, when I submitted my plans to God, He made the path so clear. And I knew, you know what? There's no way I can convince myself out of this because God made it so clear. And so when we put first things first, God will help us even with our limits. The second reason why we need to put first things first is because all of us here have evil within us. I want you to turn to your neighbour and say, you have evil within you. <laughs> In Romans chapter 7, verse 15 to 19, Paul is writing this, the apostle Paul is writing this, okay? Supposedly the very spiritual one, okay? He's writing this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. 
for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. How many of you can identify with that? Well, you're all very spiritual. Okay? You all don't do what, you all don't, <sighs> you all do what you all want, what is good. Okay? But I identify myself with Paul. Okay? Because for I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. See, even the most spiritual of people that we know, the Apostle Paul, recognized that he had evil within him. That the good he knew to do, he didn't do. See, what happens when we do not seek him first? By default, we will walk in the flesh. In our sinful nature, our human instinct will kick in. And our human instinct is this, that we want to be our own God. We want to call the shots of our own life, say, hey God, I'm not interested in your opinion. I seem to be quite successful now. Nothing bad is happening, so I shall carry on this way. We want to be our own God. And when we do not live first things first, we end up not walking in the spirit, but in the flesh. And here's where the danger lies. When we walk in the flesh, when our lives are not governed by the Holy Spirit, we will begin to make decisions out of our flesh. We will begin to make decisions out of our own opinion, out of our own intellect. And those decisions and choices will end up destroying our lives. You see, and our choices doesn't just affect us, it affects our families and the generations after us. We always hear pastors say, you know, you are free to make your choices, but you are not free to choose your consequences. <laughs> but there's so much truth to that. Let's take a look at the story of King David. Okay? This is a, a perfect example of when you don't put first things first, you will destroy your life. In 2 Samuel 11, verse 1 to 4, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof on the palace. And suddenly he see, Wah! Chiobu! Bathing! From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. See, last time, got no internet, cannot, you know, stalk her on Instagram or slide into her DM. So he can only send his man, hey, go and find out for me who is this pretty girl. And the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her and she came to him and he slept with her. What a tragic story, right? King David a man after God's own heart, wasn't putting first things first. He should have been out with his army fighting the war. But here he is, lepak at home, end up he looking at girl, and end up he fell into sin. He didn't stop with just sleeping, committing adultery. He ended up murdering his, one of his best soldiers, Uriah. See, David didn't put first things first. 
And when he fell into sin, one thing led to the other. His sin didn't just end with him. That when he got caught by Nathan, said, Oh, you are the man. It didn't end with him. Yes, David repented. Yes, God extended mercy and forgave David. But it did not remove the consequences that David had to live with. See, when we do not put first things first, the evil within us will take control. The evil within us, when our appetites are not put under control, it will turn into lust. And our lust will ultimately destroy us. See, the consequences of David didn't just affect him, but it affected his children and the generations that came after it. This led to David's death of four of his sons. He thought that was bad, right? It led to his family's relationship all being strained. The brother not happy with the brother, the brother go and sleep with the sister. It's quite messed up, right? Why? Because David didn't put first things first. And it almost cost him his kingdom because one of his sons wanted to steal the throne from him. See, Jesus wants us to put him first. Not because he's an egoistic God that says, I want to be first in everything. But because he knows, because God knows the deception of our hearts. He knows the deception of the human heart. The scripture says that our hearts is the most deceitful thing above all. And out of it flows the issue of life. The condition of our sinful nature will always lead us into destruction if we don't have God help us if we don't have God to lead us away from temptation. There's a reason why when we pray the Lord's Prayer that we pray, lead us not into temptation. Because we recognize that in us there is evil. See, our appetites when gone unchecked can become so dangerous. It can destroy us. As I was preparing this message, I was... You know, sometimes you have certain message when you are asked to preach, you're like, yeah, I want to preach this. Then there are some message that you see, you like, huh, God, why you ask me to preach this? And this was one of those messages because I knew God was dealing with me about first things first. And I recognized as I was preparing this message that God was speaking to me and He was already revealing to me areas in my life, how I spend my time how I spend my money. And then I'm very scared to say it out sometimes because my wife will say, ah, you say one, ah. So you cannot now spend your money all on your gadgets. But I know there's truth to it. Because I know if I do not keep my appetite in check, see, nothing wrong with having nice things in life. But I know if I do not have my appetite in check, it will turn into lust. And ultimately, if I allow it to continue to lead my decisions in how I spend my time, in how I spend my money, ultimately, it can destroy my family because I could bring debt into my home. I could strain my relationship with my wife and my children. And so all of us have appetites. And when we put first things first, God helps us to keep a check on it. And so we recognize the importance of putting first things first. We recognize the importance of why we've got to put God first because we are limited, because we have evil within us and God doesn't want us to destroy our lives. But then why is it a struggle then to do it? 
Why did Paul say, the good that I know to do, I don't want to do? Many of us here are not going to disagree with me. Say, ah, Charles, I don't agree with you. We all agree that first things first is so important. But the question is, why do we struggle with it? And for me, here are some reasons why I struggle with it. Sometimes before making a purchase, you know, they'll say, hey, you've got to find out God's opinion. I say, I don't want to ask God because I know He will say no. <laughs> or sometimes I say, you got to ask your wife or not? I say, I don't want to ask her because I know she will say no. So I just buy first. You know? Uh, so one of the reasons is because I'm afraid God will say no. Another reason is because I'm scared that when I go to God and seek His counsel or opinion means that the way that he wants me to take is going to be the most painful and the most uncomfortable way. Sometimes we, some of us here have that warp mentality or warp mindset that God's way is the hard way. <laughs> Someone once told me, he said, Charles, I don't know if this job is the will of God. I said, why? Because everything seems to go by so smoothly. It cannot be God. I said, bro, you are very weird. <laughs> And sometimes that's why we, we are afraid to go to God because we think that He wants me to suffer. Yes and no, sometimes the, it depends on what path God wants you to take, lah, you know. And sometimes why I don't want to go to God and put Him first is because I think that He is a very hard man to please. That even if I go to Him, I will never be good enough. But that is not true. That is a false mentality that I bring into my relationship with God. And another reason is because I don't trust that God has my best interest at heart. He is out to tekan me. <laughs> and another reason why I find it hard to put first things first, because I don't like God's timeline. I don't like the way God does things. He always makes me wait so long. You see, the reason why we as humans struggle sometimes with putting first things first or trusting God is because of sometimes the way we are made, the way we are designed. And psychologists tell us that there are three major ones in all of our lives. The first one is to want comfort, to want food when we are hungry, to want something to drink when we are thirsty, to want to have aircon when we are hot. Especially later when we go lunch, usually we will say, ah, can we don't go hawker centre, very hot. I want to go somewhere with aircon. To want shelter from the storm. To want a way out of the storm, we always pray, God, take me out of this. Deliver me from this storm. Very seldom we pray, God, take me through it. Why? Because we want to be comfortable. That is a one we have. And nothing wrong with that. Okay, you're not weird to want comfort. The second one, is to want to be accepted by our peers, to be respected for who we are and what we are. We want to be loved by people. We want to be liked by people. I can identify with this because I struggle with being a people pleaser. When people, I, I, whatever I do, I must do it because I want people to think I'm cool. You know, when I dress up last time for poly, wow, I'm very happy when I can finally wear my own home clothes because I can finally, you know, use it to cover up my insecurities. Last time in secondary school, I struggled so hard with making friends because I always felt that I wasn't accepted. And when I finally came to Paul, he said, oh, a clean slate. I can put up an image of myself that people will think that I'm, I'm in trend, I'm cool, 
And it did work for a while, but it didn't change the root problem. I still struggled to make friends. And the third one in our lives is the one to find meaning in life, to understand what life is all about and that we have a part to play in it. We all want to have significance in life. And here Jesus is telling us through the Sermon on the Mount, He says, I know that you are concerned about your comfort. I know that you are concerned about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. But here's my advice to you. Don't worry about that. Jesus is saying to us today, I know that you are also concerned about how you come across to other people when you go to work and you don't know what your colleagues think about you, <laughs> whether they accept you or not. When you go to school and you see all your friends in their cliques and you're like, ah, I wish I can be part of that group. I just want to tell you this, that all your worrying is not going to add one moment to your life. It will not make you any more beautiful or handsome or anything else. Sometimes we go about in life and we chase after what the world thinks is acceptable and we chase after what the world deems as you are in trend. And we get so caught up in all of that when we watch, you know, Netflix, we are constantly bombarded by what the world telling us we should do and we chase after it. Whether it's how we look, how we dress, the kind of jobs we should get, the kind of house we need to live in, the kind of car we need to have, the kind of phones we need to be carrying, the kind of brands that you have on your body and that need and that one is real. But Jesus is here to tell you, don't worry about those things. Don't be so consumed about chasing those things to try to add to yourself. But he says, if you were to seek me first, I will add into your life what you will need. Sometimes we struggle. And I'm not trying to say this to put anyone on the spot. We struggle, you know, when we are feeling lonely, when we are wanting a partner in life, and that need is real. And when we sometimes see what the media portrays, or when sometimes, you know, we see people celebrate on Valentine's Day and we are like, ugh. And that need is real, that one is real. And we desire to have someone that we can hold hands with. But God is trying to say, don't worry about that. Don't try figure it, don't try to edit yourself. But if you will trust me, if you will put me first, I will add these things to you. But sometimes it's hard because we don't like his timing. And finally he says, you are concerned about life and I just want to tell you this, that life is more than all of these things that you see in this temporal world. Jesus is saying that there is a way to live life in a very busy world where there is corruption and all kinds of pressure on us. I believe that we are living in a time where we are facing the greatest pressures that we have ever, that, no, that man has ever known. With social media and the internet, the pressures we face, we don't just face when we go out to the marketplace. We face it in our homes. Every time when we turn on the video, we're like, ah, I wish I have this. I wish I have that or when we start putting up our own stuff on social media and like, 
wow, why my friend one got so many likes and I only got one like? <laughs> and we equate our worth with how many likes we have. <laughs> I, I'm guilty of that, you know, when we are setting up our marketing for X. Every time I look at our likes, I'm like, huh, only five, ah. I have to be careful not to attach my worth or who I am to that. With all of these pressures that we face, where we must raise our kids in the midst of an evil society. Sometimes when I think about having to raise my car in this day and age, I'm like, wow, how, how am I going to do this? Where we wrestle with finances in a very materialistic world. When Jesus is not first in our lives, we have made something else first. When Jesus doesn't have a say in my decisions, it means something else has taken first place. We have made our resource into the source. We turn to a false vine. We turn to other things besides God. We have made something an idol in our lives when we do not place first things first. You see, all of us, within us, there is a void and a vacuum that was designed for only God. And why do we constantly want to, you know, go to things to medicate how we feel, to medicate our pain, to feel good about ourselves, to make ourselves feel more secure? It's so that we can fill up that void in us. But that void only tells us one thing, that we are incomplete without God. When we do not exercise first things first, we turn to material things. We buy more and more things to try to make ourselves feel better. I'll go one gadget after the other and I'll tell myself, this is the last one. But then the next week, I catch myself buying another thing. Why? Because I want to feel that void in me. We turn to relationships, hoping our friends or partner can fill up that void. Oh, let's go have fun. And then after a while, you're like, eh, why like not shook anymore? Why are you not meeting my needs anymore? And it's just to show us that those people, those relationships that God has placed in our lives were never meant to fill the void that only God can fill. Our partners, our husbands, our wives were not created to be the Holy Ghost. And we end up draining each other. We end up getting disappointed. We end up getting hurt. We end up getting offended. And sometimes we end up making inner vows that we say, I will never trust again. All because we didn't put first things first. We turn to achievements, wanting to climb higher and higher up in this red race, to strive for promotion after promotion, making more and more money just so that we can feel secure, just so that we can say, I will never let my family experience poverty. I will never let my family experience suffering. And we try to be God. We try to be the one to be Jehovah Jireh sometimes. But God is telling us, will you put me first? Because if you were to put me first, all these things that you need, all these things that your family, all these things that your children need, I will add it into their lives when we convince ourselves that there is no point in putting God first, we will end up finding our own fixes. What we think is the best solution. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to go and find 
this next job. I'm just going to find my partner. And yes, it will work for a while. It's like putting a bandage, uh, like a plaster. It cover up a while. And maybe for a while, it helps you feel better. It satisfies you for a while. But that's just surface because along the way, the cracks will appear again. The wound is never healed. The need is never met. And we will begin to look for a new fix again. You see, all of us struggle with God's timing. We want it now versus waiting on God. And like what Pastor said so beautifully a few weeks ago, that waiting on God is a spiritual discipline. You see, when we learn to wait on God, it's not just because God is being a sadistic God. It's like, I liken it to me with Micah. When I give him food, now all he wants to do is shove all the food in his mouth. I'll tell him, wait, chew first. You take it one bite at a time, then you swallow the next one, then you take the next piece. But he don't understand, he wants to put everything in. Why he's scared I take away from him. <laughs> but I have to teach him to wait. Why? So that he don't choke and he don't hurt himself. And could it be sometimes God does it for us? He tells us, hang on there. Wait a while. Because I don't want you to hurt yourself. We see it in the story of Abraham when he took things into his own matters. God gave him and Sarah a promise of a child. But I said, wow, God, I cannot wait on your timing. I I cannot have kids already. Ha, never mind, Abraham, here's my helper. You go sleep with her. And so in their own mind, they were trying to make it happen. They didn't put first things first. They didn't ask God what he thought about it. And as a result, what did they do? They birthed an Ishmael. And you see, they were not free to choose their consequences because the repercussions of their decision live on until this day that we are in today. The enmity between Isaac and Ishmael. We can see it today in the Middle East. And so, in order for us to be able to put first things first, we've got to ask ourselves a few questions. Why are we here? Why do we exist? And why has God placed us on this earth? Someone once said, how can a man justify his being on the earth? All other creatures contribute something, but what about man? Apart from his cycle of helping himself, he contributes absolutely nothing to this world. Even the lizards got used, they eat up all the mosquito. <laughs> but what about men? And they take much away. We end up destroying the world. Why then is he here? Could it be that maybe the best answer is that man exists because of the will of God? And God placed us here so we might reflect him and glorify him. And when we fail to do this, we lose our reason for being. It is so easy to get involved with so many things that we lose sight of things that are really important. And people were that way in Jesus' day. When we lose sight of our true purpose in life, our purpose here is to do the will of God. 
when we lose sight of our true purpose of why God has placed us here, we will start worrying about our lives. And that's why Jesus told the people then, they were worrying, they were living their lives for themselves. He says to them, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things shall be given to you as well. When we are reminded of why we exist, then will we be able to put first things first. Sometimes when we don't feel like getting up in the morning to go to work, we do it irregardless because we know why we got to do it. Because if I don't go to work, I'm not going to get a paycheck. If I don't get a paycheck, I can't provide food on the table. We drag our kids out early for school, even though they don't want, they cry. Why? Because we know the reason they need to go there, to get an education, to learn life skills. And so if we begin to be recognize the reason why God placed us on this earth, then first things first will make sense to us. You see, I said earlier, your heart is a follower. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Seeking first the kingdom of God basically deals with what you value. We go to work because we value work. We value taking home a salary. We bring our children to school because we value their education. Uh, next week, I'm bringing Micah to school. <laughs> Finally. Why? Because we value his development. Why do we come to church every Sunday? Because we value the house of God, the presence of God. And so when we struggle with putting first things first, ask ourselves, what am I valuing today? Think of how you use your money. <laughs> Think of how you use your time. That when we were, if we were to plot out how we use our time and money, it will very easily tell you what you value. And I'm going to close with the last point today. So then, is it too late for me to put first things first? The answer is no. It's not too late. A few weeks ago, pastor preached about the law of sowing and reaping. And some of us, you may say that, Charles, I've made some bad decisions in life. I've sown bad seeds and I've reaped a bad harvest. Is it too late for me to put first things first? But you see, the only way to not continue reaping a bad harvest is to start sowing good seeds. Likewise, with seeking God, it's never too late to seek Him first. It's never too late to build your life on God. And for some of us here today, you may have given God your first 10 years ago or two years ago before COVID-19. But God is asking all of us today here, are you putting me first today? Earlier, we heard about the story of Abraham and his mistake. And when he didn't put God first, he made a terrible mistake. But I find hope in the story of Abraham because later down in his life, there was another thing that happened. In Genesis 22 verse 2, then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, 
and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as an burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. See, Abraham was someone that didn't get there overnight. He took him a lot of mistakes to get him where he was. And when he came to his son Isaac, he finally learned to put first things first. Isaac was his firstborn. Isaac was his first fruit. And when God said to him, give me your first, Abraham chose to put God first. He brought Isaac up the mountain. And I love what verse 5 says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. See, the attitude of first things first is an act of worship unto God. That when you do whatever, and it can be anything, whatever you do, when you put Him first, don't think of it as a sacrifice. Think of it as a worship unto Him. You see, Abraham's mistakes had tremendous repercussions. But do you know that Abraham's obedience, Abraham's putting God first, also had a ripple effect? Because when he laid Isaac down on the altar and offered it up to God, it didn't just stop there. The blessing that God commanded upon Abraham left behind a legacy. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, in the New Testament, it reads, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, Abraham's obedience didn't stop with Isaac. It carried all the way to us today. That you and I that are sitting here today, we are part of that promise. We are part of the blessing that God gave Abraham. That because of Abraham's blessing, we can enjoy that blessing. That when he said to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. That didn't just stop with Abraham. That is for us today. And so don't let anyone tell you that you're one seed of obedience. Don't let anyone tell you, ha, huh? you put God first. Ha, huh? huh? you give tithe. Like that also got use. Huh? Don't let anyone rob you away from that. Don't en- let anyone talk you out of it because there is power in first things first. Because one day that seed is going to grow into a tree. One day that seed is going to reap a harvest that sometimes you are not even able to see, but your children will be able to reap. And so, how then is he going to be first things first? He must increase. In John chapter 3, verse 30, it reads, He must increase, but I must decrease. It doesn't say I must decrease first. It says he must increase first. When we hear messages like this today, sometimes the first thing we'll start thinking is, okay, what do I need to do? Okay, maybe I should stop watching Netflix. Okay, I've got to stop... Uh, uh, spending my time this way. I've got to stop spending my money this way. I've got to stop this. I've got to stop that. And nothing wrong with that. But I'm asking you to hold your horses for a moment. That before you go down and the list of what you're going to decrease in, start with Him increasing in your life. Start with asking Him, God, what should I do? Start asking Him for His opinion before you start going down what you've got to do. 
so we don't get caught up in all the stuff that we got to do after this, that we lose sight of Him. What I'm saying today is first things first is that God wants you. God wants you, all of you. The principle about first things first is not just about giving and tithing. It's about ownership. It's about who owns you. It's about who is your Lord. If everyone can stand, and I'm, I'm closing with this today. So today, if you are struggling with keeping first things first, if you are struggling to put God first, I have a great encouragement for you. In Exodus 13, God is speaking to Moses and establishing the principle of first things first with the children of Israel. He was instructing them what to do when their children would one day grow up and have to learn to put first things first. See, it wasn't a struggle for Moses to say, oh, firstborn lamb I give to God. First fruit of my crop I give to God. But sometimes the greatest struggle is when the children will ask, Dad, why do you have to give the firstborn lamb to God? Why do we have to always set aside the first fruit to God? Dad, why do you have to give your tithe to God? Why do you have to give 10% to God? Why well, isn't it better if we keep it for ourselves? I mean, we are, we are in a tight situation, right? It will make sense if we keep it, right? It's not like we are, you know, wasting money unnecessarily. And our children will ask us the question, what does this mean? They will ask, Micah is going to one day ask me, Papa, why you every Sunday go to drag me out to go church so early in the morning? Why do you live for God so radically? Our babies are going to grow up one day and ask us. Elvin, Maddie is going to one day ask you, Papa, why you always put Jesus first? Mommy, why you live like that? Why you dress like that? Why you keep your hair so long for what? And when our children ask us, what does this mean? What are we going to tell them? And this is what God instructed Moses in Exodus 13 verse 14. In the days to come when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of every people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. This is why I sacrifice. This is why I give my first to God. This is why I put first things first. So when we begin to do what we do first things first today, it is not just for you and I, but it's for our children. And the reason why we can do first things first is because we are reminded of what God has done for you and me. We are reminded of how God has saved us from our sins, how God has saved me from my addiction, how God has saved me from my past, how He saved me from my failures. And so if you are struggling to put Him first, let's remind ourselves what God has done, that we can love Him because He first loved us. That the reason why we can put first things first is because God made the first move. He took the first step and died for you and I. He made the first move to reach out to you. 
And so church, why don't we with all hands lifted today? This is not a difficult thing to understand. Father, we recognize, God, that your desire, oh God, is for us to put you first, God. We know, God, that your desire is for us to seek you first, God, above all things, God. And Lord, because we recognize, God, that if we don't, God, that if we are not connected to you, God, the true vine, that we can do nothing, God. That if I'm just going to build my life upon myself, upon my wants and my opinions, and if I don't include you in the equation, God, I'm going to highly destroy my life, God. I'm going to destroy my children's life, God. And so, Father, today, God, I come to you. I recognize, God, that I need to put you first above all. It's because, Lord, I am limited, God, in my ways, God. I don't even know what the future may hold, God. But you know it all, God. You know the plans that you have towards us, God. A plan to prosper us, God. Lord, I know, God, that I need to put you first, God. Because, Lord, I know myself too well, God, that I, I have a tendency, God, to fulfill the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, the pride of life, oh God. And God, I don't want to destroy my life. I don't want to destroy my children's life, God. But Father, I pray today, God, that as we strive to put you first, God, that you will be our everything, God. That you will be our provision, God. That you will be, God, our star that leads us in the night sky, God. That you will be there, God, to put a lid on my appetites, oh God. That you will be there to govern me, God, to govern my flesh, God. That when I am struggling, God, when I am feeling tempted, temptation, God, that when I put you first, God, that you are able to lead me out of temptation, God. That when I put you first, God, I can pray, forgive me, forgive them as you have forgiven me, God. Lord, I pray that as we put you first, that we'll be able, oh God, to safeguard our relationships in our lives, God. Because offences will come, God. And Lord, I pray that when I put you first, God, that Lord, I made up my mind, God, that Lord, I'm not going to allow any offence, oh God, to become a wedge between me and you, Lord. I do not know what God is speaking to you about today. I do not know where He is probing in your heart today, in your life today. But you know if there is something else that is taking His place, God is saying to us, will you let me be first place? And so, Father, today, with all eyes closed and all hands lifted, Lord, we want to build an altar before you this day, God. We want to build an altar before you this morning, God, just like how Abraham built an altar, God. Just like how, God, he went up in worship, God, and laid down his firstborn son, God. I pray, Jesus, today that you will speak to us, Lord. Lord, if we have allowed something in this life to become an idol, God, whether it's my job, whether it's my family, whether it's a relationship, whether it's my possessions, whether it's my comfort, my wants, 
Lord, if I've made those things an idol, I pray today, Lord, that you will forgive me, Lord. Lord, you're not interested, God, in how big my offering is, God. You're not interested in just sacrifice, God. But Lord, obedience, God, is more beautiful in your eyes, God. And I pray today, God, that you will speak to us, God. All of us here, God, are on this journey, God. And sometimes we get our priorities out of order, out of check. These two years, God, being in the pandemic, God, some may have messed up our priorities. And God, I know that you are not done with us, God. But you are so merciful, God. You are extending mercy to us every day so that we have another shot at putting first things first. So, Father, I pray that as we begin, O oh God, to loosen our grip, O oh God, of our Isaac, as we begin to loosen our grip, O oh God, on what we hold so dearly in our lives as first place, I pray that as we release it to you, God, that, Lord, that you will come and fill our hearts, God, that, Lord, you will come and fill that void that is within me. All that pain, God, all that disappointment, God, all that insecurity, God, that I may be feeling, God, all that loneliness, God, that I may be feeling, God, all that shame that I may be feeling, God. Lord, I don't want to take stuff to cover that up, but God, I bring it to you, God. I don't want just a quick fix, Lord, but I want you to do a deep work in me, God. Father, I pray that as we put first things first, God, that, Lord, you will release your healing into our lives, that you will release your healing into our hearts, into our emotions, God, into our every need, God, in life, God, that when we seek you first, that we replace you first, that all these things, God, whatever that may be, God, whatever it may be that you are looking for, that you may be needing in life, God is saying, if you were to put me first, First, I am going to add to it. In the name of Jesus, Father Lord. If you feel led to minister to one another, please do that. The Lord is here. The Lord is still working in some of our hearts today. Father Lord, Lord, I give you my heart, God. Father, today, God, I recognize that you must increase in my life, God. And I must decrease, God. Lord, we pray against oh God, any fear, God. Any voice that in our head that may try, oh God, to tell us otherwise, God. To tell us that it's too late, God. To tell me that I'm too far gone, that I cannot turn around, God. Lord, we come against those lies in the name of Jesus, God. But Father, I pray that as we begin to take the first step, Lord, towards you, that Lord, that you would diffuse away every fear, that you will bind every fear, God, Lord, because you didn't give us 
a spirit of bondage again to fear, God. But Lord, you have given us a spirit of adoption. You have adopted us, God. You have called us your own, God, and that we can cry out, Abba, Father. So we cry out to you tonight, today, God, Father. Araka have your way, Father, in our lives. Have your way, God, in our families, God, in my family, God. Father, I pray that as I begin to put first things first, God, help me be reminded, Lord, that it's not, there is a little one looking at me, God. Those little eyes, God, are looking at what I'm doing, God. Those little eyes are looking at how I respond, God, in this situation. They are looking at how I respond in this trial, God. And Father, I pray that you will give me the strength, God, to put you first, God. So that one day when they grow up, God, they will be able to know your ways, God, and walk in your ways, God. That they too, God, will be able to put you first, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God. Be first things first, God, in my life. Be first things first in my marriage. Be first things first in my family, God. Father Lord, I pray God that as we lay down our plans God, as we submit God our plans, our future into your hands as we trust you in all our ways God, as we acknowledge you in all our ways God, Lord that you begin to make the path clear before us God, I pray Jesus God that as we begin even after today God to put first things first, whether with our schedules, God, whether with our money, our time, God, with our decisions, God, I pray that you will begin to show us, God, the fruit of it, God, that you will begin to show us the path that will clear up, God, and that we will know, Lord, that you are here with us, God, and that we will know, God, that you are there with us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, in the name of Jesus, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. O rakasat yararabasho tolobokorakaye ikarabasata yarabasata. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, let us put God first things first. Amen. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.